somewhere that's called Jordan. And they say that it's deep and it's wide. And they say the king and the beggar on that shore will stand side by side. At the crossing of the river, why should I be afraid that there'll be someone there to love me, to guide me across that river to endless joy on high? That's a promise that we hold on to. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 3 and 1, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. That word perilous in Webster's Dictionary has two definitions, dangerous and risky. Dangerous and risky. As we observe the events of the past few days, we realize that our nation is in trouble. We realize that the enemy has caused demonic storms that affected almost every major city of our nation, trying to destroy businesses, lives, families. Under no conditions for any reason does anybody have the right to loot and burn because things don't go their way. No one has the right. No matter what color, creed, nation, no one has the right to do that. But as we observe what's been taking place on Fox News, the past 48, 96 hours, we realize how lawless our nation has become. And we see not just a remnant, but a portion of our nation that has absolutely no care or interest in anybody else but their own. And this was birthed 20 years ago with the birth of the Me Too generation well, it's all about me. Nobody else matters. I'm going to do whatever I want to do, no matter what the cost, no matter what the penalty. And we're at a place, I believe, in life that the imminent return of Jesus Christ is close at hand. We pray for our nation. We pray for the 200 businesses that were trashed and burned. We pray for the targets that have been devastated. We pray for anyone that has been wrongly killed or abused in this. No one, no police officer, no federal agent, no one has the right to take the life of another human being. No one. It's wrong. It'll always be wrong. But we as the church of Jesus Christ have got to follow the tenets and the direction of the Lord when he declared when something bad happens to you, you turn the other cheek. No matter what devastation, no matter what calamity, no matter what hurt, no matter what pain, and I know that's a tough place to be, that's a rough place to be, but that's where we stand as this church. We honor every soul, for God so loved the world that he died for everyone. Amen. And that's how much God loves every single individual in this nation and in the world. God loves the family, and God loves the church, and God loves us. What are we to do at this perilous time? We are to use our most effective weapon, and that is the power of prayer and the power of forgiveness. Amen. 
It's necessary for us to forgive those that have hurt and wronged and harmed. Two or three years ago, three years ago, I guess, I went through a real um, phase of anger, very angry, very, very verbal about my anger, manifested about my anger. I was angry at the person that wasn't paying attention, that rear-ended my son-in-law and took his life. And there was such a, there was a season there of anger, and I, I spewed anger, and I spewed negativity. And Pastor Rhonda and the Lord dealt with me, and I realized if I don't forgive, if I don't forgive, this is going to cause bitterness that probably won't be repairable. And to this day, I can say I have absolutely no ought against the person that took his life. I have no, I have no bitterness. I have no ought. I forgive them, and I hope they find Christ and make heaven their home if, if he hasn't already. I, I, I believe that, and that's something that I purposed in my heart to do. It was a, a mental decision that I made and I pursued. As we re reflect again upon the events of the past few days, we realize that we have been surpassed and overwhelmed with demonic storms, that there's definitely a storm in the nation. And I begin to look at the Word of God and see what the Word of God has to say about storms. And we are not the first generation to go through a storm. I'm reminded of Noah. The Bible said the days were evil, the days were perverted, they were in trouble, and so God spared a family. And God spoke to Noah and told him to build an ark. God gave him the plans. Noah spent 120 years building that ark. You say, why did it take so long? Because Noah didn't have a chainsaw. <laughs> but Noah created an environment for every single animal, not just every single animal, but two of every single animal to enter that ark, his family entered, his wife, three sons, and their wives. Eight people entered the ark. The world was devastated, but Noah's family was spared. And that's the way that God operates when you are going through a storm. I think about Abraham, the things he began to go through and the things he began to encounter. And there was a situation where Abraham had to lie and say that Sarah was his sister which was a half-truth because Sarah was a half-sister. But we see that when Sarah was in the king's palace, that calamity came upon the king. The king had every right to execute Abraham, but he did not. In that storm, God spared Abraham. I think about Jonah operating in disobedience, going in the exact opposite direction that God called him to go in. Found himself upon a ship, found the judgment of God, the officers of that ship bound him and threw him overboard only to be swallowed by a whale. I've never seen a fish big enough to swallow a man, but I sure would like to catch it. In Jonah's storm, God sent salvation, direction, and hope. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. We're coming to a place in our generation, if we're not careful, we can lose all hope. But aren't you glad today that in your storm, God is the God of hope, and he knows how to bring peace and provision and protection. I'm reminded of the life of Moses, and Moses lived 40 years in Pharaoh's court. 
We know the storm that Moses went through. He killed an Egyptian soldier. He went into hiding for 40 years, and there in the wilderness, God began to speak to him and give him direction and raise up Aaron to support him. They stood before Pharaoh, and they demanded for God's people to go. And when God's people left the land of Egypt, God provided in their storm, leaving everything they had, everything they knew, everything they treasured. God provided a cloud by day, air conditioning, a pillar of fire by night, central heat. God took care of them in their storm. Do I have a friend in the house? I'm reminded of Daniel. Daniel, who refused to submit to the, to the laws of a godless king. Daniel chose to pray. And because of Daniel's prayer, his stand for God, he was thrown into a lion's den. But there in that storm, God turned a lion's mane into a pillow. Daniel slept, was refreshed, woke up the next morning, and the, gods, and the king said, Daniel, has your God spared you? And Daniel said, O king, live forever. My God has protected me in this storm, in this tragedy, this tough place I'm in. Can anybody relate? I'm reminded of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who refused to bow. They, be, they refused to bend. And for their stand they took for Christ, they was thrown into a fiery furnace. The Bible said the furnace was heated seven times hotter than it had ever been heated. That was the wrath of the king not receiving the praise and worship of Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, Abednego. The Bible says that when the guards threw the three men into the fiery furnace, the heat was so great it killed the guards. As they were in the fiery furnace, the king, troubled in his spirit, went to check on them, and he asked the question, did we not throw three men in the fiery furnace? O king, we did. The king said, well, I see four, and the fourth one looks like the Son of God. Right there in the middle of their storm, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God delivered, protected, and provided. That's what God does in storms. I think about Elijah who called down fire from heaven, destroyed the prophets of Baal. In terror for his life, fleeting from Jezebel, God provided a creek, God provided a tree, and God provided bread and meat. That's the way that God rolls. In the midst of his storm, God provided provision and protection. And the angel said to Elijah, eat, refresh, sleep, because the journey is great and you're going to have to be healthy to take the journey. Aren't you glad that God can take us in our weakness, our inconsistencies, make us healthy and whole, and give us strength to make the journey that he's called us to make? Amen. I'm thinking about David, a young boy who, who stood before Goliath, and in the, in the process of that storm, God gave him five smooth stones. People ask, well, why did he uh, get five smooth stones? Because he did some research, and he learned that Goliath had four brothers. David was not only ready to take on Goliath, but he was ready to take on all of his brothers. Aren't you glad that there in that storm, God directed that stone and hit that giant, the only place he was vulnerable. God knows where the weakness of your enemy is at, and that's where God will strike, that's where God will penetrate, and that's where God will stand and fight your battle for you. Do I have a friend in the house this morning? I think about David there in the season, hiding in a cave, surrounded with 300 losers. In the middle of that storm, God came to David, said, get out of the cave, arm these soldiers, teach them and train them because you've got great exploits that you need to accomplish. Aren't you glad sometimes when it's...
like your future has no hope and you have no destiny and no purpose, that God comes to where you are in your cave, in your depression, in your discouragement, and say, get out of here, wash your face, put a smile on your face, because something good is about to happen to you. Do I have a friend in the house right now? I'm thinking about Esther there in the time of her, her reign with the king. The king ordered a decree, Haman through the hands of Naaman, that the Jews would be destroyed. But in the middle of that storm, Esther had enough sense to put on her makeup, to put on her jewelry, to put on her, 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 her perfume. She used everything that God gave her. She went before the king, pleased the king, and found favor and spared the entire Israeli nation. Do I have a friend in the house today? And then I think about Hannah. Hannah, who could not have children, Hannah was discouraged and depressed, went to the altar of God, beginning to pray. The priest thought that she was drunk because she was moving her mouth, but nothing was coming out. She was praying in the spirit. And right there in the middle of the storm, the prophet looked at her and said, this time next year, you will be with child. And she was and birthed a child named Samuel. And if you'll do research, she had five more children after the birth of Samuel. She sowed her firstborn and she got five more. Aren't you glad this morning that God is into sowing and reaping? He's watching your seed. He's He's providing your seed, and your seed is about to burst, and a harvest is about to come forth. Does that excite anybody in this building this morning? I'm reminded of Peter there in prison, in fear for his life. The Bible says that right there in his storm, there was a, peop, a group of people somewhere in an upper room that was praying for him, praying God release Peter in Jesus' name. The Bible says the angels came, opened the gate, opened the door, freed Peter of his chains, and Peter walked to that house and knocked on the door, and those inside didn't really believe it was him. Aren't you glad this morning that God is able to do the miraculous, the unbelievable, that people look at our life and can't believe that we have enjoyed the favor and the hand of God on our life? Do I have a friend in the house this morning? And then I think about John the Beloved, the disciple of Jesus, the one that Jesus transferred responsibility to Christ when he said, at the cross when he said, Woman, behold your son, son, behold your mother. The Bible says they boiled John in oil and he did not die and it freaked him out so bad they put him on an island in the middle of paradise and there he saw the vision, wrote the book of Revelation. Aren't you glad that in his storm God was able to save him from the oil and put him on an island and let him live his years in peace? Do I have a friend in the house this morning? And then I think about Paul. What an incredible, phenomenal man of God. Acts 27 is probably one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. Yes. There Paul is a prisoner, and they're deciding to set sail. The, the city that they were in was not a good city to spend the winter in. The, so the sailors wanted to move on to a city called Phoenix, because if you'll study the history of Phoenix, there was wine, women, and song, and that's where they want to spend the winter, motivated by carnal physical, selfish needs. They got on the boat. They set sail. The Bible says a storm from hell attacked them. And the Bible says the sun had not shined for many days and all hope that they would be saved was lost. That's a sad place to be when you have no hope. You have no courage. You have no motivation. You're ready to just give up and die. But Paul went to the captain and said, sir, there stood by me this night the angel of the Lord 
whose I am, whose I serve, and who I believe. And he told me that not one life would be lost. And sure enough, the ship broke up. The soldiers wanted to kill all the prisoners, afraid that they would escape. But the captain loved Paul, had, Paul, had favor with Paul, and said, let everybody swim that can swim, and those that can't swim, let them hold on to a piece of wood and drift to the island. And the Bible says that not one soul perished, not one was lost. Right there in the middle of the storm, God sent a life preserver. God sent a protective angel. Aren't you glad this morning that you belong to him? Aren't you glad this morning that you serve him? And aren't you glad this morning that you believe in him? Amen. I'm reminded of what the Bible tells us. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a visitor or are you a resident? Are you a visitor, Tanner, or are you a resident? Look at somebody and say, I think this is a trick question. <laughs> I have a feeling this is a trick question. One of the first entire chapters of the Bible that I memorized when I was a young evangelist is Psalms 91. And I love Psalms 91. I'm reminded also as a child, and I don't remember if it was Memorial Day or New Year's Eve, but Jerry Lewis will begin a telethon. Was it Memorial Day? And for years and years, and I don't know how many years, he raised millions of dollars for muscular dystrophy, right? That was his, that was his heart, that was his heartbeat. Don't know why that was his heartbeat. I never read his uh, uh, biography. I don't know why he focused on that particular sickness or disease. But I can remember as a child watching and and was, was mesmerized by the amount of money that was being given. Companies would donate millions, and he would raise millions of dollars, millions of dollars. But I'll never forget, at the end of every telecast, every, every telethon, he would try to sing a song. Right. Can anybody relate? Yes. Does anybody remember? Yes. He said, when you walk through the storm, Hold your head up high and don't be afraid of the dark. Hello. When you walk, are we going to walk through storms? Absolutely. Are there perilous times upon us? Absolutely. How do we, how do we react? How do we respond? We respond in trust. We respond in hope. We know that God's got this. No matter what you're going through, you're going to go through it. Yes. No matter what you're going through, you're going to conquer it. Yes. You may not feel all that great, all that wonderful when the battle's over, but let me reiterate, the, the battle will be over. You will accomplish that which you set out to accomplish, and you will do that which you set out to do. Why? Because you're sealed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Acts 2 and 4, we know the nation and the world is celebrating, as Pastor Rhonda mentioned, uh, Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after the resurrection of Christ, God visited an upper room. The Bible says they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. But there's also something there that I want to reiterate. It said that upon every one of their heads, cloven tongues as of fire appeared. That's the divine covering of God. He that dwelleth in the seek not visit, Worship is not visitation, it's habitation. Yes. Worship is not something you do Sunday morning for 30 minutes 
or something that you do uh, in, in your own private devotions. Worship is a constant state of mind that you live in. You're constantly walking in expression of worship and praise. Your thoughts are focused on him. You're, you're motivated in, in his promises, in his truth. And the other evening we were all in the house and I, I think it was, um, I, remember, I forgot what evening it was, but uh, we began to revisit some of the older songs that we grew up on, some of the, some of the songs of yesterday. And I remember there was one song that uh, Pastor Rhonda and I were trying to sing, and we both started crying because music certainly impacts us, and music certainly builds us and encourages us and, and builds us up. But in closing this morning, I would like to attempt to share the words of that song. I feel the touch of hands so kind and tender. They're leading me in paths that I must trot. I'll have no fear for Jesus walks beside me. For I'm sheltered safe within his arms. So let the storms rage high, the dark clouds rise. They don't worry me, for I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. He walks with me, and naught of earth shall harm me, for I'm sheltered safe within his arms. The second verse is where we're headed. Are you ready? Soon I shall hear the voice from heaven's portal. Come home, my child. This is the last mile. You must walk. I'll fall asleep and wake in God's new heaven. For I'm sheltered safe within his arms. So let the storms rage high. The dark clouds rise. They won't worry me. Why? Because I'm not a visitor, I'm not a guest, I'm a resident. This world is not my home, I'm simply passing through. I'm looking for a city whose foundation and maker is God, and that is my destiny, that is my hope, that is my trust. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed, just for a moment, if you're here this morning... And you've not found that secret place at the most time where the arrows by day cannot hurt or harm, where the pestilence by night cannot destroy or take away. There's a place where all can be sheltered safe within his arms. And I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. Soon rest day will come and I'll see God's only son. Lord, you'll never know how much you mean to me. If you've wandered away from that affection, if you've wandered away from that covering, if you've wandered away from that place in life, and you're here this morning, hey, Pastor, I'm not really where I need to be with the Lord. I'm not, I'm not sequestered in that place of protection and provision. I'm going through some storms. I'm going through some stuff. I need God's direction, I need God's touch, I need God's provision. I really need God to intervene in my life. I belong to Him, I believe in Him, and I want to serve Him. Don't embarrass me this morning, but just I just want the Lord to know 
I need to draw closer. If that's where you're at this morning, just put your hand up, put it right back down, just put it sure, sure. Lord sees every hand. Lord, you see more than our hands, you see our heart. There is such a hunger and there's such a desire and there's such a passion to live for you. It's easy sometimes to come Sunday morning and get caught up in the corporate worship and praise and there's no hurt or harm, there's no condemnation or failure in this building. This is a safe place, this is a safe house. We've got to leave this house, we can't live here 24 seven. You told us to occupy until you come. You told us to go the highways and the hedges and live our life for your glory. And that's not so easy with all the pressure, with all the distractions, all the frustrations, all the temptations that we encounter every moment. Guard our hearts, seal us with the Holy Spirit. Let your presence feel us. Let us become a container that God dwells in. Let the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in us. Let us be guided and directed and motivated by the Holy Spirit. Give us that heavenly language that we can pray in the language that angels worship you in. Let us sense that, that, that fervence of fire, that intensity. Let us burn for you, not burn out for you, but let us burn for you. Let us be a light and dark place. Let us realize how powerful no matter how young we are in the Lord, no matter how ignorant we are in Scripture, that our testimony is powerful and the devil hates it. The devil tried to keep us from the house of God, the things of God, the purpose, the plan of God. But I stand tall, I square my shoulders, I hold my head high because I'm sheltered in your arms. Let me rest in that place. Let me get back in that place. Let me find that secret place. Let it not just be for a moment or for an afternoon. Let it not just be for a visitation, but teach me how to live there. Teach me how to dwell in that holy habitation. In Jesus' name we pray, and they all said, amen.